How many of you went Black Friday shopping? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you got up and was there like early, either all night or very early in the morning? Just a few of you. There are not very... See, this one over here is part of the three in the first service that did it. There's four of them that went out together to do that. So some of y'all's crazy. I didn't get up that early. But we know that with the craziness of, of, of Christmas, people like to uh, run around and get involved in a lot of different things and the busyness of, of the time of year. And I love this time of year. If you will turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to get started here in just a minute. But uh, I love this time of year. I love the lights. I do like the tree in my house. Uh, I like to sit on my couch and stare at my tree, and it's kind of awkward when the family walks through and I'm just staring at my tree. <laughs> we used to have a, a Christmas tr- a train that went around the tree when the kids were little, and it's long since been broken and fixed and destroyed and finally thrown away because we couldn't fix it anymore. And uh, since since Micah's uh, around now, we had to have another train, so we made a frivolous purchase of a train to go around our tree, and I have already played with it a lot. So I love this time of year, and I, and I, I love the lights, I love the Christmas songs, I, I, I love the deep theology and the teaching that are in those songs, speaking of the incarnation of Christ. I appreciate those, I enjoy those. I do not like leading them. It's because they're all way up here. Jason, did you ever have that trouble too? They're all way up here, and there's 45,000 chords in, in just from here to here. So, no, there's a lot of chord changes and stuff, but it, it, it's exciting. I love the Christmas songs. I love to listen to them, love to sing them. It's exciting. So this time of year is wonderful. And, uh, you know, one of the tricks, and, and, and I guess when you say of, of ministry, I always used to hear Pastor Mark say, is having to get up every year and, and say something new about the Christmas story and the Christmas account and the incarnation of Christ and, and uh, trying to put a new light on it and all that stuff. And as a, as a youth pastor, I just kind of was like, I'm glad I don't have to do that. And then I became a senior pastor. And I haven't done a series over the last few years, uh, a Christmas series per se, but this year I'm going to take four weeks and uh, look at the songs of Christmas. Look at the songs of Christmas. You, some of you say, all right, awesome, songs of Christmas. What are we going to do? We're going to do Silent Night? You're going to talk about Silent Night? You're going to talk about We Three Kings? You're going to talk about, I'm dreaming of a wife. Oh wait, that's not scriptural, is it? We wish you a Merry Christmas. Are these the songs that we are going to be talking about? Listen, the incarnation of Christ was enough to make several people sing or to prophesy in a format which is written out like a psalm, a, a type of poetry that would be referred to like a psalm. And they began to sing out. And we're going to look at all four of those throughout this study over the next few weeks. Uh, I'm not going to keep you long today. It won't be real long. It's not going to be overly in-depth. I learned many years ago that over the next four weeks, people check out of church. So we're just going to keep things really simple this morning, and today we want to look at Mary's song. We want to look at Mary's song and the background to Mary's song. Did you know that every song that's out there, there's always a history to it, there's a reason for it? Anytime you find a song, especially a popular song, I know some of, some of you would say, how can there be a history to doo-wop, diddy, diddy-dop, diddy, doo-doo-bop-bop-bop? You know, I'm not talking about something silly. I'm talking about people who have written things that have lasted for generations, especially uh, Christian hymns and Christian songs, things that have, 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 have lasted for years and years and years. There's always a need, there's always a seed to our praise. 
And whatever that seed is, that's the history. The history is the seed to our praise. Any of these individuals that have ever written a great song have always had a history that was the seed that led to their praise that they would sing. And if we were to look at it today, there's three ways that a seed could go. It could either become dormant, and it could either just die out and not not ever be used. This type of seed can also bring forth bitterness, or it's going to bring forth a praise. In our lives, there are things we go through. There are histories. Everybody here has a history. Everybody here should have some form of praise, some form of testimony of what God is doing in their lives. And some of us that are here, if we're believers, that seed has developed some form of praise. For those of us that are angry and refuse God, that seed has developed into bitterness and frustration. And still there are others that just float through life. They don't care about anything. It's laid dormant in their history and their experience that God has intended to overflow into a praise has really produced nothing. But as we look at Mary, I think of some of the, some of the great songwriters of yesterday and today. I think of the one that I know that's shared often, which is the history or the seed that, that brought forth it as well. Horatio Spafford was a wealthy Chicago lawyer, thriving in a legal practice, had a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters and a son. He was a devout Christian, faithful student of the scriptures. His circle of friends included people like Dwight L. Moody and Iris Sankey and various others, other well-known Christians of the day. He was a man that had it all together. He was a man that had everything going for him, had God, had money, had, had, had his practice. And then suddenly in 1871, there was a fire and he lost his son. His son tragically died in the fire and the family struggled and, and uh, endured their, their uh, you know, trouble for the next two years as they, they grieved his loss. And, and, and he scheduled in 1973 a boat, in 1873, a boat trip to Europe in order to give his wife and daughters some vacation and time to recover from the tragedy. And he was going to join them as well, but he went with Moody and Sankey on an evangelistic campaign in England. And he, was, he, was, he went ahead and sent them ahead, and he was going to follow them up. And we all know the story very well. The ship sunk, uh, and, and there was contact sent back that said all four of his daughters had perished. And it was this man who got on the boat to go meet his grieving wife, who boarded the boat and would take the time to grieve and, 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 and burdened in his heart, who wrote these words down, when sorrow like sea billows roll, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, the seed of his life and his situation, his circumstance, was sown into something that developed a praise in him. He was able to find something in God, his strength. His, he was rooted enough to find that, that, that out of his circumstances, he could still find a praise. In a more contemporary version, I guess you could say, is Matt and Beth Redman, who wrote, Blessed Be Your Name, after 9-11. They had traveled all over the United States and around the world, different places, and had taken some time off for ministry. And as they were in different churches and places at different times, they had discussed with multiple people about the circumstances of the culture and the world situation. And, and we all remember that time very well. And, and then out of that came a song that we, we sang here for a lot of years, Blessed Be Your Name. You wouldn't think Blessed Be Your Name would come out of something after that circumstance. But God took that circumstance, sowed a seed, and the history brought forth, that history that was sown into them brought forth a praise at a time when many would have said it should have brought forth bitterness. 
So Mary, as we prepare to look at Mary's song, we have to delve into a bit of her history here and find out exactly what's going on. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, she's visited by the angel, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. We read this a lot of times and we we, we talk about what an awesome experience that must have been to have been visited by an angel. For Mary to sit there this, this young girl, however old she may have been in her early teens, sitting there looking at this angel declaring to her that she had found favor with God. I mean, there's some great stuff right there. Out of all the women on the face of the earth, the Lord picked me. What a blessing. We look at that and say, wow, that's exciting. Mary must have been really excited. What an awesome, awesome thing to find out. But listen, she, you could already see the wheels turning as we read that passage. She says, how is that possible? I'm a virgin. You know what I've learned about God? Some of the greatest things, the greatest callings and giftings that God brings into our life sometimes will bring some of the greatest conflict into our life as well. You look at the prophets of old. You look at people like Moses. You look at others all throughout the Scripture. They had great calls of God on their life, and they had to make a decision. Either I'm all in or I'm not in. Amen? Either I'm with it or I'm not with it. Because if I choose this and I go this, if Moses, if he was going to go that path, he had to go stand in front of Pharaoh. He had to go back to the place where he was known as a murderer and a deserter, a traitor. He had to go back. You know, the the idea of God bringing us into things and planting a seed, an opportunity in us that's either going to develop bitterness, disobedience, or it's going to develop praise. Mary, the wheels are already turning. We think how great that is. Wow, Mary, that's awesome being chosen of God. Except that now she's going to be with child, pregnant. Nobody else was there to hear the angel. You know what I'm saying? How many times have somebody said, well, the angel told me. <laughs> they think they've lost their mind. Mary's crazy. Okay, Mary is not as pure as she claims to be, and now she's making up a story. Mary knew what was going to be coming. She wondered, will Joseph even believe me? Will Joseph care? Will this, this one that I have been pledged to, this one I've saved myself for, my purity and my integrity is in place. It's going to be questioned now. But Elizabeth is pregnant. And Elizabeth has been barren her whole life. And in her old age, the Lord gave her a baby. Remember what I said? Some of the best gifts that God gives us, He gives us where it's kind of conflicting. Can you imagine how Elizabeth felt? Yes, a baby! Why now? (laughs) 
My name's not Sarah, Lord. A baby in her old age. But something clicked with Mary. And Mary said, I'm going to see Elizabeth. And somewhere, I don't know how far away they lived, but from, from point A to point B, where she was in her house, and she left to go find Elizabeth. I don't know how far the walk was, but one thing I know about Mary is she likes to ponder things. We see that later in the Scripture, that all these things Mary stored up and pondered in her heart. Correct? Mary pondered, I guarantee you, she pondered from the time she left to the time she got to Elizabeth's. i got to go see if this thing is real. i got to make sure I didn't eat too much beef jerky before I went to bed. I got to find out what's going on. And she goes to Elizabeth. And as soon as she walks in the door, we know what happens next. It's there in the scripture. If you read down, she walks in the door. And as soon as Mary walks in, the baby leaps inside of Elizabeth. And she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she begins to prophesy to Mary. Another confirmation, more witnesses. Isn't God good? He began to prophesy to Mary. She began to prophesy to say, listen, this child, that's of God. And she began to speak things that Elizabeth could not have known because Elizabeth wasn't there with the angel. She wasn't there. She didn't hear what Mary heard. She didn't see what Mary saw, but she knew. You know, sometimes when God calls us to things, there are things that He knows that we don't know. And some of the stuff that we worry about is what will people think? What will people say? What are people going to do? And we need to not worry about that stuff. God's got a way of taking care of that for us, doesn't He? So as she's there and she hears all this stuff and Elizabeth begins to prophesy to her and Elizabeth begins to say things about her child and tell her who this child is and, and what was taking place, It was at that moment something clicked inside of Mary. Some kind of peace was there. Something overflowed from her and she began to be a psalmist. Mary's song carries some similarities with the song of Hannah from 1 Samuel. But the difference is is that Hannah spoke about victory over her enemies while Mary spoke of the salvation of God and mercy toward mankind. Some of you will say, what are you talking about with Hannah? Some of you remember Hannah in the book of 1 Samuel where she's, she's weeping and crying out to God because she didn't have a child. She wanted a child. And and Eli, the the wicked priest, stands there and he judges her and accuses her of being drunk. Accuses her of, of, of having a low integrity or moral standards that she was a glutton for alcohol. That's what he accused her of. And all she was doing was she was brokenhearted and crying out to God. The seed of her history had been bitter and and it was going to produce something. It was going to either produce bitterness or it was going to continue in bitterness or it was going to continue with a praise. And it overflowed into a praise because God enabled her to become pregnant. You know, Eli had negative thoughts about Hannah and anybody that had a negative thought about Mary would have been just as wrong about her as they would have been about Anna. She had received this from an angel. She had received the promises. And yet, at the same time, she knew that there was going to be the conflict of the community. And we already know (coughs) that Joseph was a part of that, and Joseph wanted to uh, divorce her quietly, but the Lord, again, miraculously, uh, by another witness, gave to him the same message, and he was an honorable man. 
So now that we know the history, now that we know maybe the circumstances that brought forth this song, let's begin to look at it a verse at a time. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Her soul and her spirit began to overflow. And I'm going to tell you this, number one, that if we are ever going to allow the seed of our history of our life to overflow into any form of praise, the song cannot be about ourselves. It cannot be about someone else. It cannot be about even the situation. It's got to be about God. She said, her soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Her soul and her spirit began to overflow in her life. Began to overflow into the praise of God. The only thing I wish I could see in the scripture is her reaction to it. I, I, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit baptized. I have seen everybody react differently to the presence of God. I've seen people jump and shout. I've seen people cry. I've seen people sing. I've, I've seen a lot of people do all kinds of different things. I'm a crier. That's what I am. I'm like the cowardly lion when the Holy Spirit hits me. I just need a little tail to rub. I don't know. That's what I am. I'm just, I'm, I want to I know how Mary reacted. We don't know emotionally what she looked like at the moment, but I can tell you this, that her spirit was overflowing, that her soul and her spirit was overflowing. The Greek word for soul is suke, and for spirit is pneuma, and her life was deep inside of her. That soul, that suke, was rejoicing in her pneuma. Her spirit, the eternal part of her being, was overflowing with praise. That wind, the wind that is the life inside of her, was coming forth. She couldn't explain it. She couldn't contain it. She couldn't shut it down. She didn't want to stop it. It was a good thing. She said, I can't take no more. (laughs) My soul, it's in my soul. It's my soul. My spirit cries. Have you ever been in a situation where your spirit has wanted to cry out? Oh, God. There have been times where if I could have woven myself into the carpet... To get lower before God, I would. And there have been times that I've just been flat and and, and I didn't even know what to say. There have been times where I've just made noises in the presence of God because I... Listen, that's where Mary was. We don't understand what it looked like, but I can tell you she was able to utter some words and the things that came out when it clicked, that moment that it clicked, and she said, now I understand, now I can believe, now I can recognize the truth, now I can allow myself to rejoice. Now it's safe enough to know that if God can tell her and God can tell Joseph, God can tell her, it's all going to be okay. I can rejoice in this. What the angel has said is the absolute truth. And I will be joyful. This is what Christmas should, be, should do in us. 
The story of the incarnation should bring forth such a praise of who God is from the inside of us because we know and recognize who we are without Him. I should, I should on a consistent basis all throughout my life, every day of the year, be so rejoicing that Jesus came and incarnated Himself into human flesh. I should be so full of joy daily, but this time of year, there is no excuse for me to not be praising. There's no reason. The nation of Israel had been looking for their Messiah, and now this young girl knew He was coming and could not hold back her praise. She said, I cannot stop it. I cannot keep it down. It is part of me. It is my spirit coming forth. Today, I want to encourage you. I know that this is a time of year. I've already made a joke about it. This is the time of year where people check out. You know, I come into church, do my church duty. We've got all 400,000 things to do. And sing a few songs, sit down, and just kind of preacher, just hurry up so I can go home. I gotta fix food. I've got so much going on this weekend. Listen to me. Do not check out. Because everything that you have been through, everything that you have seen, everything that you have experienced is a seed that God has placed in you that's either gonna grow in bitterness or it's gonna grow in praise, or it's gonna just be dormant and because we're distracted by everything else in the world. Choose praise, child of God. Choose praise. Choose praise. And it doesn't matter who you are. I want you to know that the Messiah has come. He is your Savior. He is your God. He does see you in your humble circumstances. You are blessed just like Mary is through all of these things. You cannot be too down and out. You cannot be too little or insignificant for God to use you. Listen, God is not going to miss you with His all-seeing eye. Do you realize it's impossible for God to overlook you? It is impossible. God sees you whether He likes it or not. Some of you just got that, didn't you? Some of you thought, oh, wow, I thought he didn't see that. Well, he don't like it, but he saw it. I wish I didn't have to see that, but I'm all seen. I'm omnipresent, I'm omniscient, and I'm omnipotent. You can't hide from him. You can't, you can't hide or run from him. You can't clothe yourself in darkness. And the scripture says that he'll make that light. Listen, you and I know this. We know this. Don't check out. Let it overflow into praise. Secondly, there's a list of promises here that we have. She goes from praising God about who he is and then what he's done. And now we look at these promises. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 50. Just in case the incarnation of Christ isn't enough to make you praise Him. Just in case that's not enough. Let's look at some other things. Verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Have you ever needed mercy before? Have you ever needed mercy from another human being? Have you ever been wrong and need somebody to forgive you? Or is that just me? Have you ever wondered if God would show you mercy? There have been times in my life where I thought, man, I don't know if God's going to show me any mercy in this situation. Mary's excited because she received mercy to be invited into something so awesome. 
something so powerful. God's been merciful. I am undeserving of this. I am undeserving of this. For God to show me mercy? Do you know that there is no greater gift this time of year, this year, than there is to receive the mercy of God into your life? Do you know that God sees all of your sin? I already said it. Whether He wants to see it or not, He sees it. And do you know that even after He sees it, He still wants to be merciful? If that's not enough for you to be thankful and to lift a praise to God, then you need to pinch yourself. See if you're awake or alive. Because to receive mercy from the one that I sinned against when He saw me sin against Him is a pretty miraculous thing. Mary is excited about this because even in our salvation, we must be continual recipients of of the mercy of God. You know what I love most about God as it comes to His mercy? Is that the first time He extended mercy to me, which I, I guess the mercy I asked for because God's bigger than that and He's been extending mercy to me my whole life. But as I received salvation to Him from Him, as I called on His name and believed upon Him and He forgave me of all my past sins, do you know that He already knows what all my future sins were going to be and He still forgave me anyway? awesome. Mary is singing about the mercy of God and how it is, listen to this, she's singing about the mercy of God in light of generation to generation for those who who fear him. Listen, if you want to receive the mercy of God, fear him. But I'll tell you this, Israel is the perfect example of people who didn't always fear God, yet they always received mercy. God was always drawing them back. Always. Yes, they went through discipline. Yes, they went through punishment. Listen, if you don't want to obey God, expect some discipline in your life. But mercy will be available when you repent. God is so awesome. And it was from generation to generation. Mary was singing this. Look at it again. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. Fear Him, child of God. If you fear Him, if you revere Him, you will receive mercy. And that mercy will extend from generation to generation. In other words, it's not going to cease. It doesn't stop just with us here today. It's there for my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids and my great-great-great-grandkids and my great-great-great-great-great-grandkids and my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids. And great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids. Should I keep going or do you get it? (laughs) Some of you are saying you're going to have a seizure or something. Stop it. The same mercy that was there in the beginning, the same mercy, listen man, the same mercy that clothed Adam and Eve and stepped them out of the garden and said, I need to protect you from yourselves. That same mercy is available when God clothes me and protects me from my bad decisions. The same mercy that was there every time. Man, there's just so many stories you could go through throughout the scriptures. Abraham needed mercy. The times where he was off base and he made up a lie to protect himself. Listen, there's mercy. Doesn't mean we pursue that lifestyle, but there's a mercy from that same mercy that they received is the same mercy. When Peter, he got afraid and, 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 and denounced Christ three different times. When that happened to Peter then that was, there was mercy in place for me the times that I did it. There's mercy in place for Paul, who was a murderer. And all the times that I hated and all the times that I fought and, and despised people, there's mercy for me. 
listen, church, it's from generation to generation. It's not just about Israel. It's not just about being a part of the genealogy. Mary was probably thinking of her genealogy most likely as, as the Spirit quickened her and she began to think back about how the blessings of the generations of faithful followers had been. She probably began to think back and, and look at those things. But folks, we know today that it goes way beyond that because of Jesus Christ. God is so faithful. Look at verses 51 and 52. Some further blessings. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. If God never did another thing today from here on out, we should be able to praise him for all that he has done. And as a young Jewish girl, Mary was rejoicing for all the things that God had done for Israel. She knew from the stories and the accounts and the times that she was taught from a young girl about all of her forefathers, about all of those, about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She learned about the faith of who their God is. She knew and she was faithful and she was seeking Him. She began to decree and to speak out about those things. Listen, you know what the Spirit of God does? Jesus told the disciples, He told them, He said that, When the counselor comes, he's going to remind them of everything he has ever said. Remember that? In the book, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remind you of everything I've said. Mary, the Holy Spirit and Mary right here, all over her, she's remembering the faithfulness of God, the mercy and the generations, and now she's seeing how God's hand, His mighty hand of power was upon to raise up the humble and to lower the prideful. He was raising up those humble and lowering the prideful over and over and over. I can imagine in my mind's eye that Mary was going back to these moments where she realizes today that this whole thing that just happened, this whole thing that Elizabeth just talked to me about, seeing this angel, hearing about the Messiah coming, hearing that I'm going to carry the child, this baby that is the Messiah, the Son of God, I a virgin, and the one that Isaiah was talking about? Are you kidding me? God truly is great. He's truly great. This moment, I can just see her thinking, this moment right now is going to send a ripple effect throughout eternity, both directions. This is greater than even the Passover. This is is greater than the parting of the Red Sea. This is greater than even the walls of Jericho coming down. God is truly great. He lowers those who are prideful and those who are humbled. He raises up. Who am I? I'm nothing. Just a little, I'm just a girl. I'm not even married. I've got nothing. And he chooses me. Both directions, folks. What was coming through her was going to change the course of history and the future. And it hit her. God is awesome. God is amazing. We know that the blood of Christ covered the sins of the past and we know that it's covering the sins of the future. You know that sacrifice once and for all was good for all generations. For all of If if this earth is here for another 2,000 years, which I don't think it will be, if it is here for another 2,000 years, then it's going to be adequate for everybody that lives on that earth at that time. One time, once for all, our God will lower those that are prideful and He'll raise up the humble. If you will lower yourself before the cross of Jesus Christ, if you will humble yourself, He will lift you up. 
you will receive mercy, you will be saved. Her spirit was overwhelmed in the accounts of how good God has been, of His strength, of His faithfulness. All of these things began to play through her mind and she began to utter those words. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. I don't know what your humble circumstances are, but you can lift up a praise knowing that the Messiah is still the humble raising Still in the humble raising business. Christmas seems to be a time of haves and haves nots. I remember being a child in middle school and walking in the doors after Christmas break, knowing that everybody was going to have all their new stuff on. Everybody was going to have the new gadgets, the new stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And back then, the gadgets weren't as cool, but they were for us. And I remember worrying. You know, what did everybody else get that I didn't get? Not that my parents didn't meet the name. Listen, we were blessed. We had more than we deserved, more than we ever needed. But in my mind, I was a selfish little brat that wanted everything. So if I didn't get everything, I was worried. Oh, no, I didn't get everything I asked for. You know, remember they put out those Christmas catalogs, the old, like, K's merchandise and all that stuff, and, uh, and, and you would get those, those books that were this thick, and you would go through and, and say, Mom, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to circle everything that I want. There were entire pages circled. You get to the Star Wars page, circle. Oh, G.I. Joe, circle. There's no way that my family, my parents could have bought me everything I asked for. But I walk in and I'm nervous. And I'm like, oh no, what do we do? And I didn't realize at the time that every other kid at school is doing the same thing. It's like, dude, that's a cool shirt. You like that? Got that for Christmas. This time of year, that's what we get caught up in. Don't try, to, don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to be something you're not. And don't try to give your kids false security and other things. Bless them. Bless the kids, man. I love blessing my kids. I love it. That's from the Father. The Father gave that to me. I love to bless my kids. But I also realize and know this, that I would rather than be blessed with the good things of our Heavenly Father. And I would rather them be humble in spirit and recognize that whatever circumstance we have here today, it doesn't matter what it is, whether we have all the nice things or whether we get one nice thing, it doesn't really matter. What matters is is that our God is still in the humble raising business. And if I can keep humble before the Lord, He's going to raise me up. He is filled, look at the next one, verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Our God never turns away a seeker. Mary knew this as the Spirit was directing her this blessing, knowing that not only he's, is He full of mercy, not only does He raise the humble, but He never turns a seeker away. Oh, if you are hungry for the presence of God, child of God, seek Him, you'll find it. Seek Him. But pastor, I tried and I can't find anything. Then you aren't seeking hard enough yet. That means the Lord's doing this. You can go further. You can go deeper. He doesn't hide from us. He hides for us. Right? I've told, I've told you this before, that when my kids were little and we'd play hide and seek, I wasn't a jerk and I didn't go across the street and hide in a barn somewhere that they couldn't go into. You know what I'm saying? When you're playing hide and seek with little bitty kids, you hide so they can find you. We're old, we're fat, and we're lazy. We sit on the couch and we cover our heads with 
with a blanket, and the little kid thinks it's the greatest thing when they find you. <laughs> That's how God is for us. He's not hiding so far that you can't find Him. If you can't find Him, you're not looking. If you will ask, seek, and knock, you will find Him. He wants to be found by you. Here this is, Mary recognizes this and knows and has seen those that have sought God throughout history, her spirit quickened by this, knowing and understanding that those who sought God throughout history, including herself, having sought God, she has found Him. Mary begins to look back in her mind, rejoicing over the things like manna. The children of Israel were hungry and God provided But now this one Jesus that's coming, she didn't even know and understand all of it, but this one that Jesus is coming is now the bread from heaven. We know that He is the one that's going to meet the needs. We know that He was the Messiah that they were searching for, the one they were looking for, this one that she heard the name of, this one that wrestled with Jacob and nobody knew His name. She got to hear His name and she knows that everything is wrapped up in this baby that she's going to be carrying. Jesus said, if our Heavenly Fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Have you asked lately? Have you sought Him lately? Have you gone into a prayer closet by yourself? Have you shut the doors away from the rest of the family for a little bit with your Bible? Have you gotten up early before everybody else with a cup of coffee and your Bible in your lap with a light on and just began to seek Him? Have you done it lately? Have you turned on the worship music in your car on your way to work and began to praise and to sing and to worship Him and sought Him? Have you found Him lately? If you haven't found Him lately, you aren't seeking. He wants to be found. He's just on the couch under the blanket. Anybody else ever play that game? It's awesome. I still play that sometimes. Except my family quit looking for me. And then I just start snoring underneath the blanket. <sighs> Lastly, this morning... Verses 54 and 55. I guess let me back up. I, I didn't say this. The parents and, and, and each one of us, listen, I, I love, again, I love to bless my kids and my wife. and um, I, I got some things going. I guess April's not here. Please pray for her. She had some kind of a back thing. She had to help her to the car. She went home with, Alyssa took her home and... Um, she may be laying on the middle of the floor when I get there. I don't know. She's okay. She, it loosened up. She could walk around, but she's, she's hurting this morning. But I, I love to bless her and, and my kids. I love that. And parents, that's okay. Do that. That's, that's a great thing. But listen, make sure you bless them with more than material things. Make sure they're getting an eternal moment with God. If they're not doing it on their own, they need to be taught and led to do it. Create that moment. Create that atmosphere. Turn on some soft music. Open your Bibles together. Don't just do it on Christmas morning. If Christmas morning is the only time you do it, that's fine. But, but make sure you stop and you're able to just stop and look at it and realize that He will fill the hunger. So many things I'm tempted to take off on other tangents, but I won't. I will say this. So many of the problems that are going on in our culture today with, with adults, we used to always say with young people, young people are the problem, young people. Listen, we used to say they grow out of it and they don't. They don't. 
The problem with our culture, with all of mankind, from the oldest to the youngest, is that there's an emptiness and there's a hunger that we've been trying to fill with things. And we've tried to fill it with acceptance. We've tried to fill it with, with everybody's offended right now because nobody can say anything. If you say one thing wrong, buddy, that's it. It's over. You can, you can, I can offend anybody I want, but you can't offend me. Why is that? Because we're hungry for something. And the only thing that's ever going to fill that hunger is Jesus Christ. And the only way we're ever going to have that hunger filled is when we stop and we seek Him. When we say He has filled the hungry with good things. Who is it that's sent away? It's the rich. It doesn't, we're not talking about people with bank statements. We're talking about people that are full of themselves and self-sufficient. If there's anything we can learn, let's humble ourselves before God and receive. Lastly, verses 54 and 55, she says, He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as He said to our fathers. There is mercy for Abraham and his descendants forever. Now, the Jews... The Jews believed that being born a Jew gave them the promise. And they lived by the law, the law that was provided. We're Jew, that's what we do. We're Jewish and that incorporates the blessing of God upon us. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing to think, I've been born into this family and I'm blessed enough to be born into the lineage of Abraham. Therefore, I am going to receive salvation. But they took a very exclusive mindset on it that said that it was just for Israel. And it was. It was for Israel. But if it was only by genealogy, the overwhelming majority of the world was being born into death. Hopelessness. You see, we know this and we understand this that when God spoke with Abraham, he cast a larger vision than just his children. He talked about nations. He talked about stars and sand. He talked about multitudes that you just couldn't count. He didn't talk about a nation being blessed and only this nation being blessed. He's talking about promises. And then in Romans chapter 11, Paul talks about this. And there comes a time we know that after Jesus is born, that genealogy wasn't good enough. Never was really good enough, but their theory or theology of the genealogy being good enough wasn't good enough. Scripture says that they were cut off by their unbelief. And then he says, speaking of the Gentiles, which is you and I, anybody that's not born Jewish, are grafted in to the promises of Abraham. When you graft a branch in, called us a a wild olive shoot. How do you like that? We're not original. We're wild. In other words, we're from the outside. (laughs) We're we're not really in our rightful place, but by mercy and by grace, we'll get to have it. And, and, And when you graft this in, he's referring to a thing called sound grafting, where you take and you actually cut into the heart of the tree, through the outer part of the tree, into the heart of the tree, and you you form the branch to fit into that hole as tightly as you possibly can, and then they will wrap it and tape it and, and hold it and support it in place. And what will happen is, is that tree will grow around it, the two will become one, and it will actually bear fruit through that branch that's grafted in. 
Some of you have decorative trees uh, around your properties, maybe a crabapple tree or something that's got a cherry base to it. That's what they do. They take a cherry trunk, they cut it, and they graft something else on the top, and you get those cute little weeping willow trees. That's what this one out here is. It's a little willow tree. It's been grafted on. That's what we are. According to Paul there in Romans, he says, tells us to stay humble because we were grafted into those promises. God, by his mercy, gave them to Israel, but they were, they were cut off by their unbelief. They didn't believe upon Jesus as their Messiah. They received him, but they didn't believe him. And so, and so now we have been put into that place. You say, Pastor, what about the Jews? Are they just cast away? And Paul challenges them with this thought, and he says, how much easier would it be to graft the original branch back in? You say, why did you say all this, Pastor? Look at what she says. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. We already talked about mercy. But if this mercy that we saw all through Israel today, us grafted into the same branch, which is Jesus Christ himself, if we are rooted in him, if we are a part of him, we will bear fruit. This mercy is offered to us. It, we receive it from him automatically. To Abraham and his descendants forever. Everybody say descendants. By being grafted into the promises of Abraham, you now are a descendant of Abraham. Congratulations. When you believe upon Jesus Christ, you may not be in the genealogy of Abraham, but you are a descendant of the promises of the blessing. When the scripture talked about, listen to this. You ready? When, when Isaiah spoke of Mary, the virgin will be with child, and Mary it clicks, that's me. When you, anytime, anytime you read in the book of Genesis the promises that God gives to Abraham and he says nations or he speaks of numbers or he speaks of stars or say anything like that all throughout uh, the promises there to our patriarchs. The patriarchs. If you look at that, that's you. When he said nations, he's speaking about you. It's me. Salvation. Mary, in this joy, said descendants for when? Forever. Even as he said to our fathers. In other words, the promise that God made was good and it is forever. Do you know that the mercy and the promises that we've seen God have toward Israel all throughout the history of the Bible, even till today, and we know that forever, all throughout eternity, we're going to be recipients of the mercy of God forever. It's all good. It stands good from here on out. The one sacrifice, this child, this one baby being born onto this earth, this incarnate God was sufficient forever. Forever. So let's read it in its entirety. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers.
This morning, I want to close our service out. Giving people an opportunity just to receive from God. Would you just bow your heads with me and just wait in His presence?